Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Sorry, my, I'm louder than most people on the mic. Cody, you should know this by now. <laughs> Guys, this room, the energy in this room makes me like super excited. Like, does it make you excited for conference? Yes. I like that energy. Especially in that last song, just like singing together. I'm like, man, we could do this all weekend. I'm super jazzed about that. Or forever, you know. It's kind forever, of forever, like actually. That's day, really true. Right? Yeah, man, it is awesome. It is still very exciting to be here with you guys. I just like I'm blown away by every single week we get here. Like I know. It's awesome. Very exciting. The energy to be is here. super high. <sighs> so Noah, we were in the office the other week. Yep. I learned something about Noah this week. Yes. You may be blown away by this. She's learned a, probably a lot of things about me she was yeah. surprised by. He, you um you uh, do this thing called cryptocurrency. Crypto, yes. Crypto. I've recently... Can you explain to the room what that is? Yeah. Um, though I did tell you earlier that I probably could, and I'm going to try. It's basically this thing where, like, people have decided to create their own currency that, like, doesn't have any political affiliation. And it is, like, started as a joke, but now it's, like, actually, like, a legit thing. And I've kind of been doing, like, research and getting obsessed over it. And, Yeah. It's kind of a make-believe thing, but it is kind of but an hourly thing. it's kind of a thing. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it made us think of, like, things, like, silly things that, that people, people believe in. Yeah, exactly. You know? That people still believe in. Like, people think that the Shire is Gandalf's house. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dude, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That's painful. I love you. Jesus loves you. Oh, Everyone loves you. <laughs> begins to weep. I'm so I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> uh, or, you know, we all know that Sasquatch is real, right? Yeah, totally, right? Right? I mean, we live in the Northwest. Sasquatch is, why are you looking at me like that? Some people like, real. really believe. Oh, wait, you're saying you believe in Sasquatch. He's real. Of course he's real. Oh. How does the room feel all about right. that? All right, okay, room, hands up if you think Sasquatch is real. Real or not real? Wow. They oh, pointed wow. at Josh and said, he he's came right there. Tonight. That's he so came mean. tonight. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. People believe in aliens. People don't believe in aliens. I kind of maybe think aliens could be real, right? I think so. The universe is But I'm very also big. a sci-fi nerd, like yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek. I'm uh-huh. kind of all over that. So Yeah, that's true. Me too. So you know like, what I don't believe? What? I do not believe that... A tomato is a fruit. I don't know. That thing is gross. What do we think? Gross. I kind of, I did some research earlier. and (laughs) I think it actually technically has to be, you know? Uh, Room, yes for a fruit, no for, it's a vegetable. How are we feeling? Yes, no. It's gross. It's really gross. This might be the craziest belief of all. Listen up. This might be the craziest belief of all. Some people believe in this thing called the five-second rule. If you drop a piece of pizza on the ground, if you pick it up in five seconds, you're like, no, no, there's no germs. (laughs) And I'm like, that's crazy. It's just not. Yes for five-second rule. No for should not put in mouth. See, I believe in building your immune system. So we've all learned apparently that me that and the bros are on the same page. 
So we have crazy beliefs, right? Yes, yes. There are many things that we believe that are kind of crazy. It's getting the room heated. Kind of legit. All right. I know. It's really controversial. But you know what I realized today, and we were talking about this earlier? You can't believe in nothing. You can't believe in nothing. Huh? What? You can't believe in nothing. Let me explain. We're going to be doing a little bit of a different thing tonight. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 1. Courtney and I are both teaching tonight. We'll see how it goes. It's probably going to be amazing. Uh, Courtney and I are both teaching, and we're going to have time in this space that we've sectioned out for this message. We're going to have time to respond to the Lord and prepare for what's happening in a couple days at our conference. But the simple reality is you can't believe in nothing. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. We've learned that there are certain things that aren't worth believing in, right? Like you shouldn't believe in the five-second rule or Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever. You probably shouldn't believe in those things. They're kind of silly to believe in if you want. But everybody believes in something. Everyone take a deep breath. And then breathe out. And look up here. John chapter 1. And now back up here. Amazing. Everybody believes in something. Even if that thing is to believe in nothing, right? Maybe you'll meet someone who's like, I don't believe in anything. That in and of itself is kind of like a belief system at the end of the day. It's really interesting. Nobody believes in nothing. In fact, you can always tell what a person believes by the way that they're acting, by the way that they live their lives. Because what we believe shapes everything that we say, everything that we think, and everything that we do. What we believe changes everything about who we are. And so the question tonight is, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? Like I said, we're getting ready for this conference. It's coming up in like three days or two days. I can't keep track at this point. And we're calling it believe. Simple, one word, believe. And that word wasn't just, oh, what can we name a conference? Let's name it believe. That sounds fun. The word believe has some serious implications to it. What we believe says uh, everything about who we are. This weekend, we're going to be hearing from Jesus and his word. And this weekend, we're going to learn that Jesus is calling us to believe about what he says about himself and what he says about us. We spend times like this every week. We spend the weekends uh, that we have coming up like this because we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And we believe that his word is true. So as we prepare for the weekend, we're going to be looking here at John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at why it's so important to believe in who Jesus says that he is. So it's really interesting here, John chapter 1. The main idea for tonight, of course, like we said, what we believe, I'll get this clicker thing eventually, don't worry about it, guys. What you believe about Jesus changes everything. What you believe about Jesus is going to change everything. And here we see in the book of John, we see John is a person who actually walked with Jesus. He actually walked and talked and had interactions with Jesus. And John is writing to his writers, he's writing to his audience for one reason, so that they would believe in who Jesus says he is. Because what you believe about Jesus changes everything. Because nobody believes in nothing. So what is it 
that's worth believing in. I'd say that John would tell us that there's one thing worth believing in. Let's see if we can pick up on it as we read first here, first John chapter uh, one verses one through nine. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was nothing that was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The truths of that are extremely significant. The first point tonight, what we believe about Jesus changes everything. And first, we believe that Jesus is what? Jesus is the creator and the maintainer of all life. Jesus is the creator and maintainer of all life. John uh, chapter 1 here, it's echoing what Genesis chapter 1 is saying, which is really interesting. If you're familiar with Genesis, it's the first book of the Bible. In the beginning was nothing but God. And God said, what was the first thing that God said? If you know, let there be light. And in that moment, God creates the universe as we know it. God creates time himself because he exists outside of time, which is amazing. And John is echoing this, in the beginning was the word, and he calls Jesus Christ himself the light. He's echoing what God says in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, of there was nothing but God. Jesus is the light. We're going to learn about this in uh, verse 14. Uh, in the beginning was the word. And the word became flesh. That's what we're going to learn about here in a minute. That's talking about Jesus Christ himself. And at the beginning, there was Jesus. He was there with God. And everything that we see around us, everything that was made, was made because God spoke everything into existence. And Jesus Christ himself is the creator and the maintainer of all life. And so if you believe that, it's going to change everything. It changes absolutely everything about the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk. Because nobody believes in nothing, right? Nobody believes in nothing. You might know some people who are like this. If you're walking through life and you believe that life is just completely random, right? It's just consciousness was a mistake and we're here for a little bit. You might spend the rest of your life just trying to find whatever makes you happy and then that's it. Because then consciousness just like it randomly began, is randomly going to begin, like is going to end at some point. If you believe that life is random, that's maybe what you're going to pursue, just random things that are going to make you happy. If you believe that life has no purpose at all and in its entirety, it might be really hard to even find a reason to get out of bed. It might be hard to find a reason to, uh, to live the life that you've been given. And if you believe that life is all about following a set of rules or following a set of religious principles, then you're probably going to spend a lot of your life really striving as hard as you can in those goals and to follow those guidelines. But if you believe that Jesus is the light, he's the creator and the maintainer of life, then you're probably going to be spending a lot of time with him. If you believe that Jesus created everything and he sustains everything and the true life, the life that we live is only found in and through Jesus, then you're probably going to be spending a lot of time with Jesus. Because what you believe about Jesus is going to change 
everything about your life. It changes the trajectory of your life because only in Jesus do we find the true source of life. And maybe you've seen it. There are people everywhere, every single person that you know, every single person you don't know is looking for life. They're looking for a light. They're looking for the thing that is truly going to fill them, to sustain them. But the reality is not everybody finds it. Certain people will try and find uh, their life in success, the things they can build, the power they can obtain. Certain people try and find their life in other people, the relationships they can have, the things, the relationships they can have, the, the people they can meet. But the reality is, Every road that doesn't lead directly to Jesus is a dead end in darkness. Jesus Christ is the maintainer and the creator of life. We see that here in John chapter 1. Walking throughout life without Jesus is like stumbling in a dark room, trying to maintain, trying to figure out where you're at, trying to figure out what's going on. Jesus is the light. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not been overcome. What you believe about Jesus changes everything. So the question for you tonight is, have you seen that light? Have you had an encounter with Jesus? In a room like this, I'm sure there's maybe some of you who haven't. And if you haven't and are curious about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to just meet with you and to tell you all about Jesus and what he did for you. But if you're in this room... And you do know Jesus, which I know a lot of you, and that's the case for a lot of us. We have a responsibility to bear witness to the light. Look down at uh, verse, verse 8 here. Excuse me, verse 6. Look down here at verse 6. It says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So here we have John, who is bearing witness about the life. He's saying, I, you know, John the Baptist is saying, I'm not the light. I, you're not, I'm not the one you're supposed to follow, but you're supposed to follow Jesus. So my question to you tonight is, who are you witnessing to? Who are you bearing the light of Jesus Christ to in your life right now? We have that responsibility as believers, right? If we have the light, then we shine the light of Christ through the way we live our lives, by the way we speak, by the way we live our lives. And we invite others to take part in what Jesus has given to us. It's this, very, it's this incredible thing that happens. We are bearing the light of Jesus Christ. So who do you need to bear witness to tonight? Who is that person in your life who maybe hasn't seen the light of Jesus yet? Maybe there's someone you know and it breaks your heart because you feel like they're just stumbling in a dark room. They're taking all the wrong turns down the wrong roads and you just want them to know who Jesus is. Who's that person for you? Or maybe there's someone in your life right now and uh, you know them. They kind of know what you're about. They kind of know you're about this thing, Jesus. But man, you just have not had the opportunity to really dive in and tell them all the awesome things that God has done for you. Who's that person in your life? Or maybe there's someone in your life that you know they need to see the light of Jesus, but they would have no idea that you're following after him based on certain things that you're saying or doing right now. Who is that person in your life? So like I said, we're doing something really different tonight. We're cutting out a section 
after every single one of our points to actually respond right here, right now, in this moment. And so right now, if you have a notebook when you walked in, um, go ahead and pull that out right now. In your notebook, I want you right now, we're going to give it a few minutes here. I want you to write down the name of a handful of people that you personally know who need to see the light of Jesus. People that you know, your friends who you can personally bear witness to. So first I want you to think about that. Maybe take 30, you know, 60 seconds to just think and to dwell quietly, prayerfully. Think about that person. Maybe someone immediately comes to your mind and maybe someone will come to your mind that you weren't expecting. So first I want you to do that. And then after you know that person, take time to pray that you would have courage to bear witness to Jesus to those people. Maybe even have courage to go out of your way in the next day or two to bring them to this thing, this weekend, that is all about Jesus, right? It's not just an event. This is all about Jesus, what we're doing this weekend. And maybe that you'd have courage to do that as well. So for the next little bit, that's how we're gonna respond together. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all life. So who needs to see that light through you? Lord God, we pray for these names that we've written down. God, we pray that you would call these to your family. God, that you would bring them to you. God, that you would show them the light. And I pray for um, all of us in here who have these names on our hearts. God, would you give us the courage 
um, to speak, uh, to listen, to lead our friends and family members to you um, because we believe that you are the life, God. So would you help us to point um, those around us to the life in all of our circumstances? God, we love you. We thank you that you love those that we love um, and we trust you with them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, our first question is, do we believe that Jesus is the life, that he is the light, that he is our very source of life and breath? But the prologue, the opening of John keeps going, right? So he is explaining things about Jesus. He wants us to know these things about Jesus before we even start reading some of the text. Um, And so let's keep going in John. So John chapter 1, verse 10. This is where it goes next. He says, he, Jesus, was in the world... And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed, keyword, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, There's this crazy dynamic in here that we see that Jesus is our source of life, but he's also putting together a family. And it's a family that is put together not because of a certain bloodline or a family heritage, but it is a family built on belief. Jesus brings a family together by belief, not by blood. Imagine this with me. You are going to Disneyland. Yeah, you're like, please. Are we going to Disneyland for conference? No. (laughs) Imagine you're going to Disneyland, and imagine for a moment, just for a moment, that Walt Disney is alive. I know. Okay, imagine he's alive, and he is walking up to the parks of Disneyland or Disney World. And, like, he literally is the brain mastermind of this whole thing. And he walks up to the gate, and some security guard's like, sorry, sir, you definitely can't come in. And then he's like, son, you're obviously new around here. My, I speak to your supervisor. Supervisor comes in and is like, well, it's a good day at Disneyland. I imagine that's what they would do, right? And I'm like, how can I help you? And he's like, I'm Walt Disney. He's like, oh, sorry, sir. You can't come in without a ticket. You're like, oh. You're obviously new around here, too. Can I please speak to the manager? (laughs) Manager comes out. Same story. Walt Disney is barred from Disneyland. Like, what in the world is happening? Why? Like, do they not know who this is? Like, he made Mickey Mouse and everything else, you know? Like, he is Walt Disney, That is what's happening in our text here. John, sometimes when he's writing, is a little confusing because he's an artistic soul. So he writes in like saying phrases over and over again. But he says, oh, I'm going to go back to the text. We can look at it together. He said, Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him. Like literally all of creation was made through Jesus. You, hello, yes, made through Jesus. All of creation was made through Jesus. Yet the world said, excuse me, Walt Disney, you cannot come into Disney World. Like, Jesus, he, like Noah's saying, he created and he sustains and he maintains all things. And yet when he came into the world, the world did not recognize him. 
We see a result of sin, that sin blinds our eyes to the truth. It blinds our eyes to Jesus as who he is. He is our creator. And what's even worse is these people were looking for Jesus. They were his people. The Jews, those who had the scriptures of God, were looking for Jesus, and he showed up on the scene, and they didn't recognize him because they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. But then there's this group of people who have absolutely no opportunity to come near God. By blood, they were the wrong people. They were not given the gifts of the scriptures that reveal God to, their, to them. There was no hope that these people would ever be with God. The beauty of his story of redemption, of coming back home to the garden, they never had a chance to be with him. But he says this, to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Go back to Disneyland for a second. Do you know how much money it costs to get to Disneyland? Yeah. Some of my upperclassmen, you understand the value of money because you're like making it. Some of the younger ones are like, huh, I don't know, it's, it's a dollar. But you still understand that it's a lot of money, right? Now imagine you walk up to the gates of Disneyland or Disney World, let's put it that way, because I think it's more expensive. Anybody know? I'm going to imagine. It's bigger. You walk up to Disney World, and you go to the gate, and you say, I believe that Walt Disney was the creator of Disney. And they're like, come on in for free. You're like, whoa, (laughs) that is amazing, right? That's how crazy this is. That all who did believe that Jesus is who he says he is become a part of God's family. It's mind-blowing. Jesus brings us together by belief that he is who he says he is. When he says, I am the creator and sustainer of life, that I am the light and the life, and we say, yes, you are. He makes us a part of God's family. So here's what this means for us. When we believe, when we call on Jesus and believe that he is our life, our very breath, we get a name change. It's no longer about our reputation or about our name, about what we can accomplish. Our identity is not based off of the things that we can produce in our lives or the amount of people who know our name, but it's based on the name of Jesus on his works, on his reputation, and we're part of his family. So right now, um, as we respond this time, I want you to get in a small group. I know this is like at school and suddenly you're like, I'm in your group right now, okay? Like three to four people, we're going to get into groups, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, We're going to pray together. So in your groups of like three to four, We're going to pray this. We're going to pray that the Lord would unblind our eyes 
right? So that sin would no longer darken our hearts and that we would believe that Jesus is who he says he is, right? Jesus came into the world. They didn't recognize him because sin was like a big old bag on their head. So we're going to pray that the Lord would reveal the truth to us, the unveil on eyes. And then secondly, we're going to pray that the Lord is, would unify us together as a family, not by name or blood, but by belief. So take a few moments, huddle up, don't make it too cray-cray, and let's pray together.
Father God, God, as we come together here, as we all pray together here, God, in this moment, we're so thankful for everything that you're going to be doing at this conference this weekend, God. Thank you for making a way for us to be called children of God. Thank you, God, that we don't have to run around wondering what our identity is anymore if we are your child. God, I pray for everybody in this room that they would believe that every single day. God, I pray that they would have a conviction about someone that they feel needs to see the light. God, would you bring them here this weekend as well? Would you put it on the hearts of these students to reach out to those people? God, help us to believe that that is our identity over all the other identities that the world would try and put on us. More than friend, more than student, more than smart, more than athletic, more than any other title in our lives, God, would your title, the title that you've bestowed upon us, be the title that we take going into our lives. God, we love you. We're so thankful for everything you've done and everything you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look, continuing on in the text here. Continuing on in the text here, it says this, John 1, I'm standing right in front of the screen, say, uh, duh. John 1, 14, it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All right, we're just going to get it out of the way. Yes, I said the words. It's in the Bible. I had to say it. I said the words among us. Everyone, just chill. Everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> Breathe out. This is what God says to us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Jesus Christ chose to dwell with us. Jesus is with us and you can know him. What we believe about Jesus changes everything. Jesus chose to dwell with us and you can know him personally. That word there, that incredible word there when it says that uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that Greek word there means to pitch a tent to tabernacle with, right? It's this crazy, crazy idea that God chose to stay a while, right? God chose to live and to dwell with his people. It actually means to pitch a tent, to stay, to dwell with. It's very cool. It reminds me of the story. Uh, I used to go camping with a group of my friends. Uh, when we were in Illinois, we'd go up to Michigan every single summer. And we'd go to this campsite that had uh, a place where you can, you know, pitch tents and have a campfire and everything. But then there was also on the other side of camp, like fully air conditioned and heated cabins. And there's always one guy uh, who would come with us to go camping, right? And we'd all bring our tents. We'd all pitch our tents, start the fire and everything. And this guy, he would show up and he'd kind of just bring his little chair. He'd whip out his little like folding $2 chair and he'd always sit. And we're like, where's your tent, man? He's like, ah, oh, dude, I was in the car. I'll bring you back in a second. And we're like, okay, and like a couple hours, like, you know, people are starting to get ready for bed. And we're like, you haven't pitched your tent. You're not going to. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go get my tent. And then he'd go get his tent. 
And then we'd wake up and we're like, where has this person gone? Surely he could not have gone to the other side of camp, to the fully heated and air-conditioned cabins. And all of a sudden this person would conveniently walk back and we'd be like, so where was your tent? And he'd be like, oh, dude, I don't know. You just don't. And he'd always try and avoid the question, you know. We always knew he wasn't going to stay with us because he wouldn't put your tent, right? He wasn't going to stay. We knew that. He was going to show and he's going to leave. But what God says here, he chose to make his dwelling among us. He chose to dwell with his people. He chose to pitch a tent. He chose to stay a while. And the word of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh. God's desire has always been to dwell with his people. That's always been his desire. God's desire has always been to dwell with his people. We see it in the very, very beginning, right? God is with Adam and Eve physically walking with them in the Garden of Eden, right? God has created this perfect world for them, and he's created them perfectly, and God is physically dwelling with them. And Adam and Eve, if you know the story, they chose to sin against God and creating a separation between God. But God didn't just see that and say, okay, that was fun while it lasted. I'm just going to give up now and start over. God still made a way to dwell with his people. He didn't just throw the idea of humanity away. He didn't just choose once we sinned to just turn our back on us and just forget about us. God always desired to dwell with his people. It would just look a little bit different over the next couple of years. So we see Adam and Eve, he's physically walking with his people uh, in the garden. And then throughout the next uh, couple, a couple hundred years, we see God dwelling physically with his people in a tent in their tabernacle. We see here in Exodus chapter 25, you don't have to turn there, but God says this, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Ezekiel 37, it says, my dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God uh, is continuously dwelling with his people in a tent, in a tabernacle, and then this incredible thing happens in the gospels and God becomes flesh and he chose to be one of us he chose to be with his people because God has always desired to dwell with you and with me do you believe that today because what you believe about Jesus changes everything nobody believes in nothing in what other religion can you know God Every other religion, every other set of beliefs, every other set of beliefs that is set upon believing that nothing is right. Every religion, every, every set of beliefs, it's all about working your way towards something. Every other set of religion, it's your, yourself working your way towards God. Working, following a set of rules, following a certain perspective, and making sure you're tightly aligned with those beliefs and tightly aligned with those things that you're required to do in order to reach this uh, sense of security or this sense of relationship with God. But Christianity, what Jesus did, turns that entire narrative upside down. And Jesus says, you know, I know you can't do it. I know you can't crawl your way to me. So I'm going to come down to you and dwell with you. The word became flesh. It's pretty cool. The word became flesh. No more endless searching. No more silly, constant 
things to try and crawl your way towards God, the word became flesh and through Jesus, it's possible to be with him. It is absolutely insane. So the question for you tonight is why, and I feel like this happens often to me, why do we sometimes convince ourselves that God doesn't desire to dwell with us? Why do we convince ourselves that God doesn't desire to be with his people? And maybe you're thinking, yeah, I know God wants to be with his people in the sense that he's like everywhere and he's God and he's all powerful. But why do we convince ourselves that God doesn't want to know us intimately, personally, in a very real way every single day in 2021? Why do we convince ourselves of that sometimes? Like, I get it. He has spent his history dwelling with his people, and he sent his son to the world to physically be with people in order to, through him, be able to put our faith in him and so that he can make a way for us. I believe all that's true, but, like, I don't know if, like, he really wants to spend time with me, like, when I wake up in the morning. The word became flesh. Jesus chose to dwell amongst us. And he wants to spend time with you. He made a way. He made a way when there was no way. He was always dwelling with his people. He has always had that desire. And so do you believe that he wants to dwell with you right now? Do you believe that he wants to show up in your life in very real ways, frequently? Or have you convinced yourself that that maybe might not actually be true? So we're going to respond to this real quick. I put here on the screen Psalm 23. You can flip there if you'd like, or you don't need to. It's going to be here on the screen. And I want you to take some time here in the next few minutes. I'd ask you to be very quiet. I'd ask you to respect that. I want you to quiet your voice and your heart in this moment. And I want you to prayerfully read over the words of Psalm 23. I want you to dwell, just take time right now to be with God. Right? Not just running to God to ask for something or just checking the box of of prayer off your list of things to do for the day. Just take time to be with God. Take a minute to picture Jesus Christ himself in the flesh, walking around, living on planet Earth, being very present for you. Picture him dwelling with his people, speaking to his children. So for the next little bit here, I'd encourage you to do that. Psalm 23, picture Jesus, picture who he is and what he has done.
Lord God, we thank you that no matter what we go through, no matter what we walk through, no matter what we see or experience in our lives, that you are with us. God, that you love us, that you desire to be with us. What a gift and a grace that our great almighty creator would pitch his tent next to us. God, we thank you for that gift, and we love you. Amen. Well, we're going to move into our last section. Um, but we see that what we believe about Jesus changes everything. It changes everything in our life. It changes our identity. It changes who we are. Do so we believe that he is our life, our light, our source of life? Do we believe that through him we become part of God's family, brothers with Jesus? And do we believe that he wants to be with us, that he wants to dwell with us, that God um, wants to know us. The last part here, as we conclude John's introduction to the book, he says this. Some of those repeat. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me actually ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but he has made him known. So I don't mean to always be talking about Disneyland. But I'm going to bring it up one more time. So when I was a kid, um, I they don't exist anymore for you, but there was this thing called photo albums. So people back in the day would print photos and put them into this thing called photo albums. Okay. They are amazing. And for me as a kid, my mom always had tons of photos of my family, and it felt like this big, amazing history of my family, like the photo albums. And when I saw things from there, I just was like super jazzed. So one of the things was when I was like not even around yet, I don't think, my mom took my brothers to Disneyland, and I was seeing pictures of them. I wasn't around yet. Don't feel offended for my sake. Anyway. <sighs> Anyway, so they're like meeting Disney, or Disney, they're meeting Mickey Mouse, and they're in Toontown, and they're all these things, and I would be looking through these photos, and I looked at these photos for years and years and years, right? I'm like seven years old. I'm like eight years old, and every year I'd ask my mom, Mom, please, will you take me to Disneyland someday? And she's like, I promise you. I said, you promise? She says, I promise you one day we'll take you to Disneyland. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Mom, please, will you take me to Disneyland? She said, I promised you. I will take you to Disneyland. I promised you. And then one day, it came. And we went to Disneyland, and I was blown away. And here's what is crazy to me. I'm walking in Disneyland for the first time, and instead of going jaw drop to Disneyland, I look at my mom and I said, you promised. And it happened. She's like, yeah. I'm like, no, mom, like, you promised me. And you came through on it. And I, I, that's such a core memory for me these days. And from that day onward, I never doubted my mom's word. Because of something I knew, I think I knew that Disneyland was a little silly. Like, it's not silly. It's awesome. But, like, as far as things to promise in life, I think I kind of knew that it was, like, not a big deal to promise. But from that day forward, I trusted my mom's word 
because she promised me she came through on it. What we see here in this passage is God coming through on an ancient promise, on a very, very ancient promise. And here's, here's, here's how it goes. This phrase, grace and truth, right, that we've received grace upon grace, that Jesus is the fullness of God's grace and truth. This is a phrase um, that actually has been, been echoing all through the scriptures. It's synonymous to this phrase. It's equal to this phrase in the old scriptures that say God's faithful, his steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love and faithfulness. When God reveals himself, he says, I am who I am. He says, I'm a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. Every psalm is about God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Every prophet is pointing them back to the steadfast love and faithfulness of Jesus. This love that is unfailing, never ending, never ceasing. It is a promise for us. And the promise that God made is in chapter 3. Okay, when we broke everything. And he said, I will bring you a son who will defeat evil Though it harms him, he will set you free. And he continues to say, I'm, I'm faithful. I promise you. 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 And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he is a promise revealed. He's a promise fulfilled, and he's a person revealed. Because Jesus is the one who took care of the sin that eats our hearts, the weeds that live inside of us. He's the one that is taking care of evil in this world. And he is the proof. He is the living, breathing proof of God's unfailing love for us. Jesus is the final thing that says, there is nothing that you can do that will screw up my plan to be with you, to love you. We see that Jesus is the proof. He is the promise fulfilled of God's unfailing love. As we come to the close tonight and as we enter this weekend, man, we have been praying for you. And our prayer for you is that your eyes would be open to this Jesus. To this Jesus who is our light and our life who brings us into his family, who dwells with us and will never cease to love you. His love doesn't fail. It doesn't depend on if you're good or bad. And we've been praying that not only would you see this Jesus, but that you would know him and that you would feel that love so personal. You know, there's, <laughs> we say believe, right? There's a difference between believing and believing. You know what I'm saying? Like believing with like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. And then being like, I really think Jesus loves me. Like, I've seen myself. I'm pretty messed up. But I think Jesus loves me. And that's what our prayer for you is this week, is that you would come to see and know this God, this Jesus who loves you, who does not roll his eyes at you, who isn't like, Oh, they're coming again. But loves you and wants to be with you. So our last bit of response, it's in your notes again. We're going to do this. We're just going to write out a couple things. So we're going to write out ways that you have seen the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness in your life. Ways that you've seen, man, I've seen God show up in my life this way. Or I've seen his love for me in this way. And then write out a prayer asking God that you would see it more, right? That you would see that this weekend that, and you would come to know 
him even more and come to know his love even more. Take a few moments, just a couple minutes, write that out, and then we'll close. you're still writing things out totally fine you can keep writing as we close even to the last song but what you believe about Jesus will change everything in your life and we believe that tonight this weekend as you lean into Jesus he's going to change everything about you sometimes change is scary and it's uncomfortable <laughs> and it doesn't always feel good but it's it's necessary and it's the very life of your soul that's on the line so we close tonight and, and ask, will you hear the call of Jesus? And will you follow and believe in him? Will you stand to your feet? And I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to end with a song that I think is very fitting, talking about how Jesus is awesome. So let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you that you are not a God far off, that you are not a God who created a chessboard world and walked away, God, but that you were a God that revealed yourself to us in your scriptures, that you pitched a tent to live next to us, that you want to be with us, that you give us light and life and truth. But mo more than that, God, you love us <laughs> even when we are so unlovable. God, you love us. So would you help us to see this truth? I pray that tonight, I pray that as we go into the weekend, God, that you would help us to see Jesus and that in Jesus we would see you, Lord. Our life, our Father, the one who dwells with us and loves us. God, help us to see you. Lord, help us to love you. We thank you for your love for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.